Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, the podcast where I, Quinn Cummings, give advice to people I do not know. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be asking yourself, does Quinn really want to give me bad advice? And the answer is no, I do not want to give you bad advice. I want to give you good advice. But I have absolutely no qualification to give you any sort of advice at all. I am not Thomas Boleyn. I am not Thomas Cromwell. I am not Thomas Hanks. I give advice because it amuses me to do so. So you might be asking yourself, will this advice I'm about to give you be good advice? Well, I think the answer is in the title of the podcast. If you want me to give you bad advice, you can leave a question for me at qcbad.com. It's completely anonymous, and better yet, it's completely free. So I can offer up this advice with a 100% money-back guarantee. Now, let's get started. Here's today's first question. Subject, I'm not ready yet. Dear Quinn, It's been a little over a year since we were all sent home and told to shelter in place. The COVID-19 virus was here, and it is bad. I only go into the office once a week, or maybe every other week. My husband and I have been following the rules. We wear a mask, haven't gone to group events, blah, 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 all of which to say we've done our best. So, now there are vaccines. My 81-year-old dad is vaccinated, yay, as is my sister, the teacher, yay. I was able to get vaccinated through my work. I work for the local health department. My husband, not yet vaccinated due to his age group. Everyone is starting to venture out. They're having get-togethers and meetups and outdoor big groups. And my father wants me to visit, like, now. I feel like I'm not ready. Did I become agoraphobic while sheltering in place for a year? I don't think so. I go outside. I go to the store. I even wandered the mostly empty shopping mall the other day. Yet I'm feeling very anxious about moving forward with getting back to normal. I admit I am more an introvert than an extrovert. Does that matter? How can I move forward? How do I overcome my worries that I'll bring home the virus to my yet unvaccinated husband? Honestly, the real question is this. How much longer can I use the coronavirus as an excuse to not go? Sincerely. Still sheltering in place. Dear Sheltering in Place, Consort is my producer for the podcast. He does not hear the questions before I read them. He just heard me read this and he said, did you write this for yourself? No, I did not. I think your introversion absolutely matters. Consort was literally at our pharmacy when a vaccine was about to run out of time and then got his second four weeks later because he is specifically lucky like that. He's still being careful, he's still masking, but he's definitely taking every chance he can to see people outside because he's an extrovert and this was beginning to do real harm to his psyche. I am an introvert with a marginally effective immune system. This 2020 to 2021 is literally the first year of my life I have not been on antibiotics for bronchitis. I once contracted a childhood illness, as an adult, from a single child in my kid's nursery school class. A childhood illness my own child failed to contract. I have every reason to assume I would contract COVID. 
for my health. I'm conservative with whom I see. But let's be completely honest. Not seeing people doesn't really bother me. I am stupendously introverted, but introversion is a spectrum, and maybe the last year hasn't bothered you in that way that much either. Maybe, like me, seeing groups of people can be both wonderful and exhausting. And maybe both of us have seen the small amount of socialization muscles we have atrophy. Now, what to do about this? Maybe nothing. Why must we pretend that we're wrong and that extroversion is the default human setting? That's selling the lovely, complicated human brain incredibly short. There's a book called Quiet by Susan Cain about introverts. If you haven't read it, read it. I recommend it. But I'm going to go back to the idea of socialization as a muscle. Our socialization muscle has atrophied a bit. When you haven't been to the gym in a year, you shouldn't jump directly into soul cycle level three unless your goal is to pull a muscle, have to recover for a long period of time, and walk funny for weeks. You ask how to get back to normal. The last year has provided us with not much. I mean, besides a great many batches of sourdough starter and a chance to reboot. Our family has friends who throw a big Christmas party every year, but every seven years or so, they, for one reason or another, can't throw a party. The next year, they have pruned the guest list back. It's still big, really big, but they've cut the people who got added for reasons that are no longer relevant, and each time, honestly, I'm just pleasantly surprised we're still on the list. I assume it's due to consort. We have had a year to consider who gets to stay on our psychic guest list. Everyone has their own normal. Some people are going to want to attend 37 Christmas parties in June to get caught up. Some people will want to walk with a couple of friends. My suggestion is to do a small thing in a very small group with trusted friends. People to whom you can say, I'm getting my sea legs back, I might not talk much, and I might peel off if I start to feel overwhelmed. Because that's fine. That's where you are right now. Now, having built the emergency exit, you may find you don't need to use it. For me, I find that saying I might become anxious in a situation is often enough to keep the anxiety at bay. But if it isn't, who cares? Besides the aforementioned sourdough starter and the chance to reboot, the only other thing 2020 gave us was perspective. If someone is writing you about not wanting to come to their we're out of quarantine party and they're acting as if this is the biggest thing in the world, this is a them problem and not a you problem. And for what it's worth, doctors are saying there's a likelihood that vaccinated people can still transmit COVID. So you are exactly correct in living in the world as if you and your husband are both still vulnerable. He'll be vaccinated soon then you can decide how much you want to celebrate that. I will say this. Go see your dad. He's 81. Just because he got out from under COVID, you know what? Nothing is promised to any of us. Go see your dad. This leads me to a question that a bunch of people have asked me on Twitter, but 
Bless them, they didn't send it to QCBad.com. Please send questions to QCBad.com. So I'm going to have to paraphrase it. Dear Quinn, I feel badly because I didn't learn anything or really do anything in the past year. What do I do about this feeling? Let me read you something. This person was asked in the New York Times, no less, what have you made or created this year? This is what this person said. I've made nothing. On four separate occasions, I've arranged my schedule with my wife so I could have six uninterrupted hours a day to write. All four times, I emerged from my office after two or three weeks, rattled, defeated, feeling lousy about myself. My wife finally said, here's what you have to do. Read books, watch movies, cook dinner, and take care of our son. That's what I've done. And while my family is my focus and my joy, from a creative standpoint, this year for me has been a dust storm. I'm normally involved in a number of creative endeavors, but the theater is my lifeblood and I don't know who I am without it. The plug getting pulled on the minutes was truly devastating for me. I feel like a heel even saying that since so many people in this country and around the world are suffering as a result of this pandemic in ways I can't even fathom. But it's the simple truth. I can't do the computer theater. It's too depressing for me. And I've turned down a couple of on-camera jobs because I'm just as scared of the virus as I was a year ago. Creatively, I'm lost. That's why I'm doing this interview. I know that was a long read, but you needed to hear all of it. That's Tracy Letts. He has won a Tony Award for his stage acting and a Pulitzer Prize for his writing. He is a hugely innovative man, the kind of person who can create a whole world in his head for fun. He couldn't do jack shit this year. What did you do this year? You lived through it. Sometimes living is the accomplishment. Did you keep a pet alive? That's a thing you did. Did you keep yourself from using one whining child as a weapon to beat the other whining child to death? That's a thing you did. Did you watch the entire nine-season run of The Office? That's a thing you did. But, you might say, that doesn't matter. You don't know that. Yes, some people used this time to learn a specific skill. Most did not. I speak as one of the numberless hordes who purchased and then never used Babbel. But please know that it's a rare person who creates in the middle of chaos. And as boring as lockdown was, and it was often galactically boring, I found myself sometimes going to bed at 7.30 just to be done with the day boring. It was also chaotic and frightening. Chaotic, frightening times literally shut down the frontal lobe. The word panic was based on the idea that the god Pan made people lose their mother-dating minds. You have learned some weird things this year. You may not know it yet. A year from now, when the chaos has subsided back to regular America chaos, an idea may pop into your head, something which combines the skills you had before with something you didn't even realize you picked up in 2020, and you will have the strength to take it where it goes. Or not. Maybe 2020 is just something we lived through. Take comfort in the fact that living through it was enough. And, by the way, 
as of this very morning, there's an article in Vogue.com all about the anxiety of re-entering society post-pandemic. Look at us. We're trendsetters. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, oh, you think we're still friends? Dear Quinn, can I ghost my former, oh, shit, you're racist, friends? Being romantically ghosted, so yuck. But racism is so much more yuck, and I do want them to squirm uncomfortably. If not, can you suggest an effective fuck-right-off-I-don't-hang-with-racists response? Uh, I really can't think of anything more beautiful and graceful than fuck-right-off-I-don't-hang-with-racists. I don't think there's any combination of words you're going to be able to say that will make them less racist. I can point you to all of the studies that show that racism is deep and it shows up as galvanic skin responses. And the only way it gets better is with lots and lots of exposure to a multicultural society where it's literally just sort of worn down out of them. All this to say you're not going to be able to fix it with one combination of words. I give you permission to say to them, I am coming out of the other side of a pandemic, and I'm careful with whom I spend my time, and I don't really need to be around racists anymore. I wish you luck in your future endeavors. Which is just a fancy business way of saying, fuck right off, I don't hang with racists. Good luck. Before we go to our next question, I would love to tell you about Libro.fm. And yes, this is an ad. I have been very careful about not having ads up until now. I wanted to have products I really believed in and I really used. I really believe in and I really use Libro.fm. What is Libro.fm? It is an app which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 215,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You're going to get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, and I believe you know which one that is. But you will be part of a different story. This is what we can do right now for our independent bookstores. Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice has a special offer for you, the new listener at Libro FM. Go to Libro.fm forward slash redeem forward slash Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, sign up for a membership and get two books for the price of one. We can listen to books and we can help our local bookstores. Let's keep them going. And now, back to some bad advice. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, can't get the dental floss all the way into the bin. Dear Quinn, it makes me absolutely insane when my sweetie can't seem to get his dental floss all the way into the wastebasket. Most of the time it's just hanging partway out, but often it migrates. I found it lying in the hallway, stuck to the bottom of socks, in the bed, at the foot of the sheets, and inside my shoe after walking on it all day. I mean, yes, good dental hygiene is sexy, but come on. I think my first question would be, 
does he know it's migrating? If he doesn't, tell him. I know that seems obvious, but the world is halfway filled with people seething about something another person is doing and half filled with people completely unaware there is any problem. Second, if we assume his intentions are as good as his dental hygiene, the real problem I see is that dental floss basically has no weight. So even if he chucks it towards the trash can, which I'm doing with my hand right now, you can't see it, but trust me, I am, there's a high probability it will float somewhere, get caught on the tiniest of zephyrs. Let's designate this floss its own little trash can, maybe up on the sink, so close there can be no drift. Just to see if there was a thing that I'm imagining in my mind, I googled tiny trash can, and what you might need is a trash can made for a dollhouse, which you already know I found on Etsy. It's really cute, and it would be perfect for used floss. And once we're allowed to have people back in our houses again, somebody will say, what's that? And you will smile and say, it's a tiny trash can. And a lady on a podcast told me to buy it. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, Ghosted by Old Friend. Dear Quinn, a friend of 40 years, who was my high school first love, suddenly vanished. There was nothing inappropriate going on between us. I'm married, he's not. We chatted often about the past, life now, etc. Then he blocked me everywhere, and I'm so confused. We never had one cross word. It's been hard to get past feeling so sad with no closure and so much confusion. I wish him well, but I sure do miss my friend. That sucks, and I am so sorry. It's really a death, what you're going through. And sudden deaths are hard and filled with pain in a very particular way. I am always a fan of a handwritten note. I would send him a card saying that you wish him well and that if he ever wishes to talk, you are where he left you. This isn't for him. This is for you. It might help. Something also to consider. You have known each other 40 years and you dated in high school. And while I am truly atrocious at math, this tells me you two are probably somewhere north of 54. I hate to be the person who says this, but I'm the only person saying things. But the thought occurs to me that sometimes seemingly bizarre changes in mood and behavior in someone over the age of 50 can have a medical component. Consort and I have a friend who became quite violently certain his completely blameless wife was having affairs all over the place. Turns out, he had a brain tumor. Another friend started fixating on certain events in his life, not being able to let them go or put them in perspective. Two years later, he was diagnosed with early-onset dementia. Say your piece, wish him well, put a stamp on it, and let's hope it's just some incredibly specific midlife crisis. Dear Quinn, my daughter's school has Pioneer Day as part of the fourth grade curriculum. Dress up in Pioneer clothes. Eat Pioneer food. Schoolwork on chalkboards. 
It's fun and also sanitized white-only American history. A third of her class, including my child, wouldn't even be allowed to go to public school were it actual pioneer times. I want to point this out to the teachers and administrators, but I'm concerned my kid is going to hate me. She is 10, and I would be technically Karening. Should I be that mom and point out this year's party of microaggressions, or should I save my child the embarrassment? Here is why you are not Karening. Karen, as the iPhone videos have taught us, is a white woman deciding that some people of color are happy, or living their lives, or doing their job, and that makes her need to scream at them or call the police to make their happiness go away. You are correctly and politely observing the story the school is telling, while charming, is wrong, in that it isn't the full story. There's a reason the phrase is, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And yes, the truth might be more awkward and harder for 10-year-olds to understand. Let's be honest. Genetically identical people who didn't sunburn as quickly couldn't go to school should be a hard thing for any of us to understand, as it was insane. The school doesn't get paid money to only teach the easy stuff. If a teacher could cram long division with remainders into my surprisingly large yet also empty head, they can teach the history of inequality. The school might push back seeing the curriculum, even something like Pioneer Day is created at the state level and they have no control over it, which would be highly annoying, but at least you would know. As far as embarrassing your child, your child is 10. You are about to enter a magical age where you will mortify them merely because you insisted on wearing a hat when it was raining outside. Do not try to mollify the preteen or teenage brain. Instead, imagine telling this story at Christmas a decade from now, and you're now 20-year-old laughing about how you dragged her school into multiculturalism, whether they wanted to or not. I promise you, your adult child will roll her eyes, but will have also seen enough of the world at that point to understand why what you did mattered. I say, have the conversation politely, but have it. As a person with the whitest of white skin, I try to remember my privilege and step back and listen, but I will also freely admit I need reminding. Go remind them. Okay, I think that's enough bad advice for today. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy. That's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to qcbad.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. If you want to show people your feelings about bad advice, we now have bad advice merchandise with our fork and a toaster logo at quincummings.com forward slash merch. We do add new products from time to time, so check out the catalog. And let me know what you think. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, 
and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time. <laughs>